Welcome, everyone, to the Jake Dunlap Show. This is your weekly dose of real success stories from entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, CEOs, and the people that you love. If you've ever wondered what makes people tick, what are the weird things that happened to them in their past that helped to shape the people that they've became? Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern, you can tune in and get exactly that. The behind behind the scenes, not the typical behind the scenes, but the real stories that shaped some of the people that you know, love, and follow. All right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome. Uh, appreciate you joining me today. Today's going to be a fun one. Um, shockingly, we're going to talk about you know modern technology and specifically AI. And you know, look, like I've said before, for some of you, you might be like Jake. I swear, this has been like three or four weeks where you've talked about it. And look, the reason is pretty simple. It's that this technology is transformative, and there are so many different use cases. And that's why I'm really excited to talk to Ms. Jackie Russo today, who runs a top tier brand management agency and really has some unique perspective on you know some of like the marketing. And and I think as a brand management, you know, really for anybody as an individual, you don't have to be a uber thought leader um, on terms of like how you know her clients and how she's using it on behalf of her clients. So Jackie, I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. I am too. Thanks so much for having me, Jake. I, I love being described as a top tier branding agency. That alone for me, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> well, good. All right, I mean, there you go. We've already started the day off in a great place. Uh, but no, I, I too, I think get a lot of, oh, are we still talking about that AI thing? And, you know, I run the company with my husband. And he is very anti the AI. So we not only talk about it at work, we talk about it at home too. There you so go. I'm here for fun. it. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fun one. So let's talk about that. And then we're going to get into some more like the specifics. When you're talking to people, your husband or others, like what has been some of the pushback? You know, you're talking, you know, and we'll get into some of the amazing parts of it. But I talk to a lot of leaders too. And I think this conversation is probably a lot like, you know, if you're trying to convince someone that the internet was important back in like 1990, like six or five, right? Like before we all got AOL CDs. And it was like, well, yeah, this internet thing, you know, do we really want to talk to people across the whatever? And do we really need to be connected? And people are like, yes, like it's way better. Like what if people go to bad websites? It's like, Right. So would you rather have the internet or not have the internet? Right now, it's such a silly question. But I feel like that with generative AI a little bit, where it's like, did it return the perfect answer that you were hoping for? No. But is it better to have like that or nothing? So, right. you know, what do you feel like the kind of hesitancy is for, for some folks? I think first and foremost, it's a fear of change. I mean, we cannot underestimate how much humans do not want to change. It, it ruins their comfort level. They um, don't know what's coming around the corner. So there's just a lot of fear there. And I think it's a very understandable, normal human sure. reaction. So we'll just start, start there. Second of all, I think that very smart professional people who are building the AI would agree that one of the second biggest concerns is what happens when the machines take over? I mean, you know, there's this whole theory of how far will it go? What, how much will it upend our Apple carts? What kind of potential are we unleashing on the world? And no one really knows the answer. So we're back to the fear of the unknown. The third piece that I hear most often, and it's a lot of pearl clutching around keeping my job. How am I going to keep my job if the computer can do it better than right, me? Right, right. 
And so fair, also a fair point. I don't think any of this is irrational fear. I think it's all very rational fear. But what I think we tend to miss is no matter how much we don't like it or are scared of it or think it's bad, it's happened. That genie is out of the bottle. We're not undoing it. That's right. We've known for years it's coming. It still isn't here. I think I can either, you know, rage against the machine, literally, or figure out how to work with with the tools. I love that. That's actually one of the best, Jack, it's one of the best succinct summaries that I've Thanks. heard. So I think anybody out there listening, you're like, that sounds like me. Like, that's fine. Don't worry about it. There is a lot to learn. You eventually will get on. I mean, just, you know, my grandma had an iPad eventually, right? So yes. Well, I'll figure it out. So let's let's get into your domain of expertise. Let's talk marketing strategies and tasks. I think the marketing use cases, I mean, there are a lot there. But in, for you in particular, how do you see or how is, you know, AI making your life easier? And, you know, what parts has it really changed for the good in terms of the way that you work with clients or even, you know, a, an internal marketing team, the, the use cases that they can see the best return on? You know, it's a great question. And I love that we're starting here because what ends up happening is that we feel like, and, and this conversation happens in my office so many times a day. There is a, a group of people, mostly led by Michael Russo, the aforementioned business partner, who feel like we're just all going to be replaced and how are we going to have value to our clients and we might as well just close the doors today because <laughs> we're done. That's not quite my approach. I appreciate what he brings to the table though. If I was to characterize our relationship in a nutshell, I'm all gas and he's all brick. And you need both for you the car both. to go. I feel you. So, you know, um, all of us have married them. I mean, that's just how it works. Yeah, same. And but so I, I appreciate it because it does cause me to pause and think through and evaluate, often strengthening my convictions, which are even worse for him. So I do get the idea of, sure, there will be some tasks I am no longer required to do. Sure, we've got some clients who, when they don't see the winning tagline right off the bat, they just roll themselves right up into chat GPT and send us back a list. Like, what about these? Now, does that mean they could have also done the same thing with a quick Google search or opening the dictionary? Absolutely. So yeah. it's not the tool. We haven't solved the problem yet. We haven't found the right tagline yet. We should not be scared that somebody else, whether it's another agency or an AI that's going to solve the problem, we should be focused on how do we improve our processes? How do we get better at our jobs so that we are solving the problems of our clients? Yeah, that's it. You know, and how I equate it, and especially in the use case you're, you're talking about, especially like in the press, the brand management side, it can just help you. What I find consistently, it just helps me. Let's say if I have an hour blocked out to do something, it consistently helps me to get a version one quickly and then I actually can spend the time making it really freaking good. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, you know, the, as the tasks pile up, you know, a lot of times you're turning in your V1 or your V2. And, and that, that's been the benefit for me on these types of content-based activities in particular is like, and, and there's almost always like one little thing it brings up. I'm like, oh, I didn't think of that. Right. You know? Um, right. And so it's, it's, there's a lot of like inspiration. And I think, again, the content game in particular, and I mean, I even push our own, marketing team, shout out to Becca on this quite a bit, to say, look, can a, a person write an amazing one thing, right? Great. Yes. But if with these tools, I can write seven and they're all really good, 
versus one great, the amount of high quality content you can do as well. It's, it may not be at that exact same level, but it's pretty dang good. Right. You know, on the content side in particular. And then let's, what about brand management? So, okay, obviously this is your jam. Is, right. You know, when it comes to brand management, how has AI changed your game? You know, again, we talked a little bit about the kind of like the, you know, I was mentioning some of the content use cases and, and can, and second part to that, like how can AI be utilized to maintain and enhance a brand or individual's, you know, reputation? So when we think about branding, and I'm glad you said the word reputation, we think about it as the, um, so when we're looking at branding, it's all the things. It's the brand identity. It's the company's actions and behavior. It's all the things. It's the brand identity. It's the company's actions and behaviors. It's the people who provide the services. It's the products. It's every touch point is an opportunity to build or break the brand. So there's no one AI that is going to come in and be like, I could take over your brand. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. When we look at little tools, for example, just Photoshopping photos. So that is a task. I have somebody here who's an expert at it. The AI now is almost just as good as the world's best Photoshoppers. So in three clicks, boom, 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 the photo is shopped. Does that mean I no longer need that person? No. It means that person now gets elevated to a bigger thinking role. That person gets to do more um, strategic thinking. Fixing the photo isn't building or breaking the brand. It's one small piece of an entire set of skills and actions that need to happen. And so the humans, as of now, still need to do those actions. Does it mean that the uh, person who is doing the Photoshop or would have been doing the Photoshop is like a cashier at a grocery store. And now that they're self-checkout, that's kind of where everybody's going to go stand in that line. And so the cashier's job isn't necessary. No, but now the cashier can be utilized in other ways. Same philosophy applies. I like that. that yeah, that's yeah, exactly. There's different, it's evolving. Yes. In terms of, you know, what the roles will be. And I think that that's, it goes back to what you mentioned before, you know, when you talked about, you know, people, again, repositioning and, and not necessarily why people shouldn't be fearful. It's not going to necessarily eliminate, but yes, it will evolve what the work is. And I think about that, you know, look as a, you know, somebody who runs a sales consulting company, what does that mean for sales as well? Because, you know, as we want to interact more and I can gather more and more and more information from someone or, you know, from an organization and I can kind of interact with the basics, like, when is the human involved? And I think more and more people would prefer for the human to be involved, maybe just a little bit later in the intent process, mm -hmm. you know? So I think there's a lot of, you know, opportunity there. What are the like potential risks around, you know, using AI for brand management? So AI tells me that we should go in this direction or this is a trend. Like, where do you feel like, what are some of the risks there, you know, that you well, see you know, over-reliance? I have seen it as an awesome brainstorming partner like you have. I have seen it as a fantastic organizer, um, helping me fill in the blanks if there's pieces that maybe I didn't quite think through or an opportunity I didn't consider. I have not seen any of the tools where I can just hand it one of my clients and be like, okay, what's the plan? None of them yet are that big thinking. You know, I feel like there's still a human who has to say, do we need um, nail and hammer? Do we need a nail gun? You know, there, there's still a human that has to be involved um, to adjust what's happening and how it's going to happen. Because sometimes you need the full nail gun. Plug it all in and let's see what comes out. But the human 
is still needed for the strategic thinking, for the evolution. And then, you know, we've all read the stories about ChatGPT providing false case sightings for legal documents. Everything is still going to need to be verified by human eyes. We cannot trust any of the information quite yet. Yeah. And it also goes up like level of severity or of like potential implication of what the thing is that you're doing is probably, you know, an important piece of that as well, too. So as you as you think about harnessing it more, you know, if you're somebody or if you're in marketing and you want to think about some outside of the box applications, you know, what are some things that you're seeing in terms of around, you know, brand management and marketing that either your clients are using or some interesting ones that you've seen that, you know, you feel will have a potential impact versus, you know, some of the more kind of consistent ones that we've talked about? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that I think has been really great is guide.com. So it's G-U-I-D-D-E.com. Okay. It's like guide D. And it will, it's a Chrome extension and it'll make all of your SOPs. So as you're going through your day doing things, it will capture that and turn it into standard operating procedure guidelines. So think about a company, uh, no matter how small or large, who really in a part of their and every company should feel this way. A big part of their brand building is making sure employees consistently deliver the same experience. So across multiple, we work with some franchises. So they've got 300 locations. I guarantee you <laughs> the same experience is not happening in California as is happening in Pennsylvania, right. as is happening in Louisiana. But if we had these kind of really great SOPs in place and they're always being monitored and updated and allowed to expand and grow and breathe as humans adapt, it adapts. Then everybody's staying consistent, though. What an amazing tool. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, right? really good. I'm a, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes, too, so people can go take a look. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that, that there, there's just so many different tools that are out there. And I think some of the things we've talked about where... What you need to do at a minimum is just even think like, you know, you're doing a task, you're getting ready to do something, right? You know, I think it's just like, hey, has somebody created something that can make this process better, right? I think we just as, as people have been so used to problem solving the same way, which is like, oh, there's a problem. Let me think, let me go, let me do. And what I feel like is, you know, the way that we even process problem solve, like this SOP is a perfect example where it's like, you wouldn't even think of that, you know, well, I mean, maybe people would, but you know, it's like, well, no, I got to go sit down and it's got to do this and this. It's like, no, like the technology is, is like you said, it's not a hundred percent there, but it's getting to that point where it can get you like part of the way there. And like, again, right. I'm excited to check this thing out and see. It's really kind of badass. Like right. it's Give kind the, of amazing. What's the website again? Guide, like G-U-I-D-D-E. Com. So it's just guide with an extra D. All right. Guide with an extra D. All right. We will yeah. link to that. Yeah. All right. And I'm going to download this literally like as we speak. Right. Yeah. Magically create video documentation with AI. All right. That's cool. I like I that. I mean, really, that's awesome. Um, you know, I think about the, the challenges that professionals and schools are having with tracking AI. And so originality AI is an awesome tool. So it's originality.ai that does AI content detection. Interesting. And let me assure you, all the website platforms are using it to make sure they're not being tricked in the SEO space. Ooh, yeah, that's a real thing. 
Oh, absolutely. Thing. Look, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think a lot of like marketers and again, when you think about brand and wanting to stand out and build a name for yourself around a topic, let's talk a little bit about that content creation use case and maybe some of these nuances you're getting into. You know, what are the things that people should, you know, again, we've been using it for that, you know, in conjunction with our team. But what should people who are like, oh, sweet, now I can create, you know, I can create 10 articles in, in 30 minutes, you know, so what should people know potentially? You definitely should go create 10 articles in 30 minutes. I love that idea. You can actually create 10 articles in 30 seconds, but that's your rough first draft. That should be considered your prompt. That should be considered the, I like this idea or I don't like this idea level of where we are right now. Then you need to go and make it sound like your voice. People are coming to the company because of the humans who work at the company, not because of the machines that they utilize to write content for them. And so it needs to have a human touch. It needs to sound like the voice of your company, even if you have a very well-known company. And so you say, you know, give me December social media content. And I work at Popeye's fried chicken, which has a very unique voice. It doesn't sound like Chick-fil-A's chicken. Um, And so, you know, make it sound like me. It's still not going to exactly sound like the human version of you. So use the time, go through the process, give it a couple layers and not just one person, maybe two or three different people, because you're going to approach it from different perspectives. And so AI is a perspective. Now balance that with two or three human perspectives to make sure you shake the computer out of it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And then what about like you you were hinting at like some of the not to do's. So there's the like, okay, yeah, you make it your own, but you were also hinting at like, will it ding it? You know, like if you are producing this, like, will it know it's all like, again, you're talking about like originality and the SEO content, like, you know, for those people out there that are saying like, well, couldn't I just try to own a bunch of keywords? right? And just create a bunch of content, even if it's mediocre, it's just on the back end and I'm linking it. Yeah. Tell me about that use case. Well, it's just when it comes down to it, um, Google and Yahoo and Bing and all the other search engines, they don't want to be tricked by your AI and they won't be tricked by your AI. So you go in and you pull up those 10 articles in 30 seconds and you just copy and paste them straight into your website. They will detect that it is AI and you will be punished. You'll rue the day. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, already, for those of you who don't know on the marketing side, if you saw what happened last week, there was a bombshell for all the email people out there where Google and Microsoft starting in February are going to limit. And you can correct me if I've got the numbers right here, Jackie, or if this is your world too. I think it's 5,000 emails a day. If you're sending more than that externally, or you hit a 0.3% spam rate, you have like a, a possibility of getting your domain shut down. And so... That has rock again. I'm on the kind of B2B sales side. These teams are just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I think you're right, even on the B2B or B2C marketing side, that you're going to be able to use these tools to help you. But if you get caught trying to basically spam SEO, I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, these these tools are getting so dang good at that piece. Well, and here's what happens. You know, let's go back to email supposed to be opt-in. It's supposed to be I subscribe. You have good content. I want more of. And so I am saying, yes, please send that to me. And all of a sudden it became this other thing where I'm buying a list, I'm spamming you. If the content is not good, it is not relevant. You should, we all should be punished. Yeah. Well, yeah. Keep in mind, this is also a very US centric problem. 
some of this stuff, right? You don't catch a lot of European countries in particular auto-opting anybody who's ever interacted into every newsletter. And so I think, you know, as you're thinking about your strategy around AI and content and email, again, just understand. And again, this goes back to the beginning of the conversation, Jackie. Like the good part about this is like, the smart, clever people are going to be the ones that are rewarded the most with this technology. Correct. You know, the people that are able to say like, okay, cool, we can't do this. I mean, like, look, sure, we'd all like to just hit the easy button, create a bunch of SEO content. It works. You know, send a bunch of emails. They all work and convert. But that's, I just, you know, we're moving into an era of more sophistication. You know, as certain activities get simplified or replaced or easy, the the exciting part for anyone in marketing or sales right now should be, this is going to unlock you to do so much more thinking and interesting work. That's, That's how I think about it. That's exactly how I think about it. It's the mindless tasks that come off my list, which frees up my time and my energy and my resources for thinking tasks. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you an example that's not marketing related. So we have had for quite some time a person who enters our invoices into our accounting software so that they can be paid. I mean, I'm sure everybody's got one of those somewhere. Well, there's a whole tool now that if you email the invoice to it, the AI will scan the invoice. It will match vendor to vendor, PO number to PO number, invoice number to invoice number, customer number to customer number, dollar amount to dollar amount, automatically pull up in your chart of accounts where it's supposed to go based on where it went last time. And with the push of a button, the human says, yes, this is correct, accepts it. And now it's in your software to be paid. Again, this goes back to anybody listening, marketing, sales, regardless, all of these tools exist. And again, I, I really feel like that is the part for anybody listening is if your default and you can't break yourself of the default. And I, I have some people on my team that I'm thinking of, of, I'll just put my head down and do this. Like as a society, we have to break ourselves almost of that. That's right. how I like, think about some of this. And I know we're getting a little deep here, but it is changing the way that we process you know, some of this information. Yes, as, for the better. Totally we have to think better. about how to make the most of the tool. I don't think we are going to be replaced by AI. We're going to be replaced by people who know how to use AI right. if we don't know how to use it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. That's one of Mine my too. favorite sayings. Full stop. That, that's it. Yeah, the people that, again, learn how to use it and are well-versed in it. Okay, all right. So shifting gears just here a little bit. Let's talk about emerging trends. So if we kind of look to the, look ahead just a, a little bit here, we're talking about some of these use cases around, you know, these kind of, I don't know to call them mundane, like behind-the-scenes tasks or heads-down type of tasks. What are some of the trends that you see? So, you know, for you and your business and, you know, your client's business, what are some of the trends that if I said, hey, I want to try to get ahead of the curve in a year, you know, for whatever is going to be around the corner in a year or two, what are some things that are top of mind for you? And I'll share a few for me as well, too. I mean, you know, we're a strategic planning agency. And so we believe the trend is always to have a proactive plan. We find that we waste most times as humans when we procrastinate, delay, put off, instead of planning ahead and setting ourselves up for success. And so that is something that's always going to be in style as far as I'm concerned. I also think one of the biggest trends, because you know we go through these evolutions and it feels like the past few years, especially coming out of COVID, it was this hunger of getting back to work whether that's in your house or in your office, I mean, just getting back into the routine of work and getting back to doing work. And so people are are starving for connection and connectivity. And so I'm seeing conferences, 
gearing up and ramping up like crazy, more and more in-person events because we missed that opportunity to spend time in the same room together. And introverts and extroverts alike being more recharged by reconnecting with people. And then last but not least, one of the biggest things that I'm seeing is everybody's data is kind of askew. 2021, even 22, kind of threw the data off. And so we're looking at 23, comparing it back to 19 and saying, are we in a better spot or not? What are we going to do to grow, especially depending on interest rates and the economy and whatever? And so I'm seeing them getting more targeted, understanding that when our audiences are too wide, we lose out on the ability to cut through the clutter and really connect with somebody. But when we can get narrow and targeted and focused, then all of a sudden our marketing gets supercharged. Those are two really good ones. I, I agree. I think it's interesting. It, it is a little bit, even we were talking about this, you know, I was joking about this new, you know, kind of Google Microsoft change that like, oh, now we're going to have to get back to like actually like personalizing a message to somebody that, you know, like, which is what we did, you know, 20 years ago. And I think that that's the truth with the in-person. I actually just went to a conference on, was that Thursday? And yeah, it was great. You know, so I think that, yeah, maybe again, what worked previously and, and not that the digital experience won't still be primary, right? And I think that's going to be big, but we're seeing more sales teams, you know, like, yeah, we're getting on the road a little bit more, you know, like, and, and they're winning more deals, you know, they're still yes. have an amazing digital experience. And it's a digital first experience for those types of buyers. But, you know, going and having a quick meeting before you go live or something like that, I think that that's a really important call out for people it's to think huge. about. It's huge. You know, people want to connect with other people. And so it's so funny, the, the days of the salesperson stopping by with the donuts or whatever and the handshakes, that's not gone. It's just become digitized. And so yeah. you've got to have this balance of in-person and digital experience. That's right. And I think about that all the time. And even think on the other side, though, like the, the anti version of that is, you know, also more self-service options. Yes. That a lot of companies that, you know, again, have historically sold just having a salesperson in the loop and those types of things, you need to have a lot of different ways for people to interact with you. And I think that's my big trend is that the customer experience, if you think about, and again, my world's you know B2B. And in our world, if you think about the sales process, it's been pretty one size fits all for forever. Yes. It's like everybody has the same qualification call, discovery call, blah, blah, blah. And that was fine when everyone came in with, a, with relatively the same education level yes. on what you do, the solution, the competitive landscape. Now that we have so much access to information, you know, I call there's kind of these different groups. There's vetted buyers, there's educated, and there's cold, right? Vetted is like, look, I've already talked to three different people in this Slack group I'm a member of. I've, you know, went to a Trust Radius or G2 and I've done research and I'm ready to have a conversation. And if in that first conversation, I've got to get qualified by someone who can't demo the product, I'm out. And, and I really think that we're moving to a world, and this is what, you know, kind of all put a bow on this, which is the sales experience and the journey that you give people will matter just as much, if not more, than yeah. the product. Where if you don't have the ability to give different people, because it's the same thing in our B2C. Like, our B2C experiences are so tailored to us, we don't even know it anymore. Right. You know, like your TikTok for you page or, you know, your Instagram algorithm, how it knows exactly that, you know, you want to buy these pair of sweatpants or Nikes. That's how it gets me. Amazon. So, Amazon's Amazon, a completely customized example. experience. There you go. 
exactly. So you have to think about like that to me is the big one that if in 20, you know, 2024 and beyond, if you aren't leveraging these tools and these tools can help you with that. To your point, I loved what you said too about narrowing your focus. We're seeing that as well too, where again, sales and marketing have always been like, yeah, we have our profile, but we, we want to cast a wide net. And we're seeing that too. The companies that are thriving are like, this is kind of our lane. And as that lane expands over time, sure, we'll go a little bit more here, but we're also not trying to boil the ocean. We're not trying to do 500 different things at once. So narrowing your focus. And again, that's where AI can help is it can look at these large data sets and say, you know what? It's not mothers over the age of 45. It's actually mothers over the age of 45 in the Midwest in non in cities under a million. Mm-hmm. And it can see those patterns like mm-hmm. immediately. And that's where it can help. Then you say, oh, if that's what it is, okay, maybe we need to figure out how to expand our market or you know, maybe right. that is good. And we can dominate that Cincinnati, Ohio mother of two. Well, um, and I would add to that. So I think what we're talking about is really old school strategic branding. So we take all those demographic profiles and we layer in the psychographics. What do we know about them, their feelings, their thoughts, their needs, their fears, everything. And then we layer on top of that some personality profiles. Because if you've got some people, and think about the DISC profile. So the D for DISC is about dominant. Well, let's go to marketing, advertising terminology. It's because they just read headlines. They just want bold pull-out quotes. They just want bullet points. They don't want a lot of copy. Your body copy personality types do. They need all the words. They need the additional research. They need the data. So there's no one-size-fits-all. It's an entirely customized experience. And in the B2B space, that's easy to provide. Yeah, exactly. Again, we're kind of coming full circle as you start to kind of wrap up here, which is like, there's a lot of just fear. Okay, well, what if I don't engage with this group? What if I limit myself Is that, you know, oh my gosh, like, well, I've always used this sales methodology and it's worked. So what happens if I change away? And I think it's, Look, consumers will, they will tell us what they want. And consumers are telling us what they want because, you know, again, you just have to look at how they buy, you know, how we buy as individuals, you know, and just how often do you pick an inferior product because it ships here the next day versus the product you originally wanted that ships in five days. And if you don't think that same behavior is already happening in B2B, we're just not adapting to it. And that's where AI can help us by the narrowing. And then also this kind of mix of the human element where that can be deployed strategically in the marketing process, the sales process. Those are the companies that are going to win. But hey, guess what? It's going to get more sophisticated. Exactly. And so you got to make a choice. You can either adapt or not. So Jackie, final thoughts for us as we wrap up? Now, this was great. Do not be scared of AI. Harness the power. There we go. I love it. All right. And we will definitely, we'll link to, uh, so you can check out everything that uh, Jackie is up to. So definitely go do that, brandrusso.com. And also make sure to check out some of the things, you know, we've got prompt community, we've got the workshops, we'll link to all of that as well. If you're someone who's trying to get, you know, more up to speed on this, we're also starting to build out some custom GPTs for sales teams to use to help with research and prep and a whole bunch of other things. So we'll drop some links in the show notes. So Jackie, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you so much, everyone for tuning in. We will see you on the next one. Thank you everyone again for listening to another episode. If you are listening all the way to the end, I hope you have left a review. I hope that you make sure that you're following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. 
We'll be back next Thursday. And again, make sure to check out the Monday episodes as well, too. A lot of people are really enjoying these kind of mini episode Mondays. So make sure to tune in, subscribe, and leave a review. 